So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. And if you're there, say amen. If you're looking at the back screen, say you're cheating. It's all right. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And if you could quickly turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Somebody say every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And if you could, why don't we just bow our heads in prayer and ask God to speak to us, to our hearts and our minds, and that we are changed by what his word says. Can we do that today? Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. We give you glory and honor. Lord, we've worshiped you. We've praised you. And I pray that your spirit has its way in this place tonight. today. I pray, pray that you move in a mighty way, that your, your people hear your word, what you are going to say. Lord, let it be your words and not mine. I pray that it impacts and touches our hearts and our minds and helps us to be changed and to be closer to you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Can you all just say amen and give him some praise before you're seated? We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five and you may be seated. Amen. It's good to have a good time in the house of the Lord. All right. Amen. Somebody's excited. The title of my message today is Run to Win. Run to Win. Nobody likes losing. Everybody likes to win. Can I make a confession today? Confession's good for the soul, to quote pastor. I have a confession to make. I hate running. <laughs> Somebody's like, you could use a good run. I hate running. I have always hated running. There's something about it, doesn't feel natural. I just, some people though, they feel so good doing long distance running. They really enjoy it, they really get a rush out of it. I'm not one of those people. I can't do it. I don't know how you get excited about waking up early and going for a run. It, it's drudgery. I can't do it. Anybody sympathize? All right. You're who I'm preaching to today. I'm preaching to myself too. So it's, I remember in high school, if anybody's ever been in high school, you had to take the presidential fitness test. In high school, whenever I was doing it, they kind of were doing away with the rest of it, but they focused really stringently on the mile run. 
They were really focused on getting everybody to run a mile every single year, trying to get the best time. And every year I dreaded it because, like I said, I hate to run. I don't have the build of a runner. Even back then, I don't have the build of a runner. You give me a set of weights or something I can, I can move, lift, I'm fine. But if you tell me I have to run without stopping for four laps around a track, I'm gonna give you some funny looks. We're gonna have a problem. Why is that? Because it hurts. It hurts. You get that burning sensation in your legs and your lungs that just <gasps> I don't have asthma, it's okay, I'm fine. Just an example. One lap around, I always felt that, that burning sensation in your lungs and your legs, and I, I just wanted to quit. There's a few times when I felt a sense of determination, though. If you've ever just said, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run no matter how hard it is. I'm just going to run. So I, I had this determination, which is saying something because my personality is, is not one that's very determined. It's just I'm, I'm not choleric. I am very uh, phlegmatic. It's not in my personality. I'm, I have to have something to help me drive myself. So I don't have that kind of determination typically. But on this day, I woke up, and there was a few times where we were running around the laps of that track where I found that voice, that voice inside my head. You've all heard it before, right? It's your voice. It's just in your head. Maybe it's God talking to you. But I found that voice inside my head that was telling me to push through the pain, to keep running. And that voice is a good thing. That voice is a positive thing. It's important. In life, it's important to learn how to push yourself to do things and run through the pain, to, to push through the obstacles and the trials and so you can finish and accomplish something that is worthwhile. That voice is important. But for the mile run, I just didn't care. And I can remember uh, the first day, everybody was like, Coach, we really got to run the mile? It's like, be quiet. Yeah, we're running the mile. Really got to run the mile? Yeah, just be quiet. So we got to run the mile sometimes when we don't want to. We got to run when we don't want to. Who has ever ran in a race before? All right, we've got a few people. Has anyone ever ran in a long distance run? A few people. Has anyone ever ran cross country in school? Who's on the track team? I know Natalia is. All right, all right. Some of the young people are athletic. I wish I was athletic. Um, who's ever ran a 5K? All right, we got some more 5K people. And finally, has anyone ever ran a marathon? We got one person. Two, ran a marathon? Dude, no way. Okay, that's impressive. If you can run a marathon, I am 100% impressed. A million percent impressed. Because I, can never run, I can't run a marathon. I, I don't, I, okay, I won't say I can't because I'm a human being. Everybody can run a marathon if you have determination. But in my mind, I have that, that mental block that says I can't. So, and it just doesn't sound fun. But the year is 490 BC. 
there is a conflict between the Greek city of Athens and quickly and the, the quickly moving world dominating Persian empire. The Athenian soldiers are holding off the Persian army but they will need reinforcements quickly if they are going to continue to push back the enemy. A young man by the name of Phytopides is dispatched as a hermodromos, sorry I don't speak Greek, that might not be right, or in other words, day-long runners as they are known in the Greek military. He is sent to request reinforcements from the fierce warriors in the city of Sparta. The story of Phytopides is where we get the name of our modern day marathon, which is about 25, it's actually 26.2 miles, but the young man, instead of running a distance of a mere 26.2 miles, he ran from Athens to Sparta. If you look on a map, he ran a distance that is equal to about six marathons put together, which is equal to 150 miles that he ran. He ran the distance in a matter of two days. When he arrived in Sparta, I imagine exhausted from the journey as I know I would be, Phytopides had another job. He needed to present a compelling case for why the Spartans should join the Athenians in battle. Men of Sparta, he reportedly said, the, the Athenians beseech you to hasten to their aid and not allow that state, which is the most ancient in all of Greece, Athens, to be enslaved by the barbarians. His plea was successful, but the moon wasn't full, and due to religious law that forbade the Spartans to battle until the moon was full, the Spartans would not be able to battle for another six days' time. Phytopides had to let his people know about the delay, so he did the unthinkable. After he told them, after he gave them the news, after he took a nap, he ate some food, he awoke before the sunrise and set out on the return trip about 150 miles back to Athens. The long story short, the reinforcements from Sparta never arrived, but the 10,000 Athenian soldiers defeated the 60,000 Persian soldiers by a miracle. Phytopides, after the victory, ran another 25 miles from Athens to the city of Marathon to give the good news of victory over the Persian Empire. That is the story of how we got our modern day marathon race of 26.2 miles. Somebody say, wow. So why do we run 26.2 miles and not the greater distance of 300 miles if that's where we get this story from? In the final run from Athens to Marathon, the runner fell down and died, probably from exhaustion, probably from a heart attack after giving news of the victory. I don't really like that idea. The purpose of this story, it's amazing, 325 miles in a matter of days. Very little sleep, very little food, but he just ran all out. The purpose of the story is to show us the power of determination and endurance in a physical run. Running over 300 miles in a matter of days is an impressive physical feat. 
Fidopides ran his race with great purpose. It may not have been a race for a trophy. However, it was a race for survival and a race to obtain the prize of victory over an immensely powerful foe. Some of you may know, some of you may not know, but we are in a race. We are in a race. And most of us know what it's like to physically run or to attempt to run. Whether it's in a short distance sprint or a long distance run, we understand what it feels like, how difficult it can be to continue to push your body to its physical limitations. When you have finally pressed and struggled to reach your goal, there is a sense of accomplishment. In many different areas of scripture, we find that living for God is described as running in a race. And I can only imagine why. But our race is not physical, but it is spiritual. And this spiritual race that we are in is a race similar to that of Phytopides. It is a race of survival. We are racing toward victory against a powerful foe and a powerful adversary that wants nothing more than to see us all taken out of the race that we are currently running in. That might be why there's so many examples in scripture to describe life and living for God as running in a race. Because it's very relatable. In the scriptures and hopefully in the lives of those in this room, the end goal of this race, the end goal, the prize, as Paul calls it, he says, run that ye might obtain. Obtain what? That prize. We are all running in this race. We are all living this life trying to win the prize. The only way to obtain the prize is to run in a way, to run with effort, to run with a diligence and run with a mindset that is seeking to first. Seeking first. Because that's the only way to obtain that prize is if you run in a way to obtain it. We're supposed to run seeking to win the crown. And I believe that's what God wants us to remember this morning, is that the race that is before us and the reason we are running. What is the reason that you are running? What is your purpose for running in this race? Don't lose sight of it. There is a reason. So that's what we're going to talk about. So there's a few different practical things about running in a race. Before a runner runs in a race, he doesn't just, someone doesn't just show up at a marathon and say, I'm going to run 25 miles like that. Doesn't happen. Doesn't work that way. Someone has to prepare. So that's the first thing we're going to talk about. Preparation. Before you can run, you must learn how to walk. Before we can start the race, we have to grow and prepare ourselves to run. It'd be kind of comical to see a child or a baby walk, go to a marathon and their parents say, go ahead, run, go ahead, go ahead, Merrick, run. Like, Dad, I can't even walk yet. So what do I mean by that? Physically, before a child learns to run, they have to first master the ability to crawl, to stand, to walk, and then they can run. Everybody remember that? When a child is growing, a child first learns to crawl and to pull. This usually happens around seven to 12 months old. Then the child learns to pull themselves up and use their leg muscles to stand and balance on their two feet. This will usually happen between nine to 12 months old. 
During this period of growth, the child may fall several times, but at some point, if that child continues to try and stand, eventually their legs get stronger. And the muscles that were once weak and undefined, they become strong enough and they learn how to bounce without falling over. That's standing. That's the first thing. After the child learns to stand on their own between 10 to 18 months old, a child will begin to start walking. And just bear with me, I'm going somewhere. If you have ever seen a baby walk for the first time, what does it look like? It looks awkward. It looks like they don't know what they're doing. I haven't experienced that yet. It's getting close, it's getting close. I've seen babies walk, but I haven't seen my own child walk yet, so he's getting there. But they don't walk like an adult does, do they? Just give you an example. I'm an adult, I think. I don't seem to have any problems, you know, trip. You don't have any problems walking because you've mastered that, that ability. It's like second nature. You don't have to think about it. But a baby, it's difficult for them. They will fall on their butts or flat on their face. Eventually, they master the walking. At some point along the way, they can then, after much practice, they can run. So do you have that picture in your mind? It's kind of awkward seeing a baby walk the first time. It's kind of cute. But a child learns to walk physically by struggling to use their muscles, by struggling and to coordinate their body to do what they desire it to do. And it's the same thing spiritually. As Christians, we are supposed to be running in a race, but many of us never learn to walk. What do I mean by walk? To walk with God means to have a relationship with God. It means to know him and to know his word and to follow it daily. That's walk. It's the great, one of the, probably the greatest struggle being a Christian. And until you get it figured out, you're always going to struggle. You're always going to have problems. So that's why we need to talk about this. That's why we need to get it get out in the open. First John chapter 2, verse, verses 3 through 6 says, And hereby we do know that we know him. So we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I don't want to be a liar. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. So if I want to have a relationship with God, if I want to have a walk with God, I have to walk as he walked. I have to do what he did. I have to love as he loved. I have to continue in his commandments as he continued in his commandments. I have to try to match him step for step. I may not, I'm not going to be successful all the time. I'm not going to be perfect all the time, but I have to try. And if I fall, I have to get back up and continue with the struggle, continue with the fight, continue trying to race because there is a prize I am running for. I am running to win the race. We learn to walk with God by training and preparing ourselves to follow and obey his word, training ourselves to pray, to fast, and to deny our flesh. And is it fun? You said it, not me. 
to listen to that voice in your head, like training, you know, to, to listen to that voice in your head through the, the difficulty of a daily prayer walk, the difficulty of trying to fast on a regular basis, the difficulty of trying to read and study scriptures where you can understand it, the difficulty of coming to church every single day, the diffi- or every single Sunday, every service, the difficulty of trying to walk with God, you need to have that voice in your head that says, I'm not going back to what I used to be. I'm not going back to the life I used to live because I was going the wrong direction. I was going in the wrong path, but I found the way to continue to walk in the right direction. I found what I need to get to the prize. So if you are new to living for God, don't be discouraged. I wanna encourage you, if you fall, Get back up and continue to walk. Living for God is not the destination. It's the journey. It's an everyday decision to get up and run no matter how awkward and how strange and how much of a struggle it may seem or feel. So within that, learning to walk with God is about true repentance. In Philippians chapter three, verse 13, it says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which were behind, which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. Whenever you set off to go in a race, it's problematic if you go the wrong way. You're gonna have a hard time getting to the finish line with everybody else if you're going the wrong way. In fact, you're hurting yourself. You're, you're, you're hurting your time. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. To run in a race, I have to look, and I have to run in the right direction. We ask God to forgive us from the sin that we lived in, and the wrong direction that we were going in when we first come to church. Sometimes if you're living for God, you still need to ask God to help you go the right way, because you can get off track. We turn away from that old life of sin. We, we mortify the deeds of the flesh and we decide to instead run into the direction that he desires for us. So that's repentance. And some of us, some of us, we, we need to repent every day because there, sometimes we miss stuff. You don't have to sin. I don't believe you have to sin every day. The power of God living in you, you don't need to sin every day. But if you do sin, we have to ask God for forgiveness and we have to ask him to help us get back on track. Another thing, learning to walk with God is about true relationship. Living for and walking with God is about that relationship and it means talking to him and doing what he asks of us. What does true relationship look like? In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, it says, and now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? What 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 does he require of us? But to fear the Lord thy God. 
I preached the message a while back. It means to revere, to revere the Lord thy God in every way. Sometimes that does mean fear. But to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. His commandments are hard, but it's only for your good. It's hard to grasp, but... Just because it's hard and difficult does not make it bad. It makes it good. In relationship with God, you want to love him and serve him and walk in his ways with all thy heart and with all thy soul. If we want to do that, we must obey his commandments and do what pleases him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7, 16 through 18, it says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Who knows that you're the temple of God? His spirit resides in you. You're the temple of God. For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That is powerful. That is powerful. What does this describe? It describes a family relationship. He desires for us to be his sons and daughters. We, essentially, he desires for us to be his family. He can't, we can't lower the standards of God. He can't lower his standards. I'm sorry. He's a holy God. He's the holy one. He can't lower his standards to be more like us. We can't lower his standards to make him more like us. We can't make our holy God unholy. What he asks is that we become like him. That we become holy so that he will dwell in us and receive us into his family and so we can walk in a right relationship with him. I started thinking about this message and I don't, it's not a coincidence that we're going over holiness right now because God wants, someone, wants us to get a hold of holiness. God wants us to get a hold of what holiness means and that's to be close to him. Somebody. True relationship is praying to God but it is more than simply praying. We can go to prayer and only have one-way conversations. It's really easy to do. But do we allow him to speak to us? Do we allow him to to speak into our hearts and our minds? And I want to encourage someone today to follow his commandments, his word and his voice, as you learn to walk with him day by day, and he will align your path with his. He will take you from the direction you are going in. He will turn you and face you in the way that he wants you to go. That's encouraging. He's not going to let us keep going the wrong way. So that's preparation. That's preparation. Learning to walk with God, repenting to God, asking for forgiveness, and then obeying his commandments. Prepare. The second thing, shedding the weight. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight. Somebody say, every weight. Every weight. 
and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Mariah said that whole one verse will preach a whole message, so I don't have time to get too in depth with it. But who knows that when you go through life, you pick up things that weigh you down. Give me a second. Okay. That winded me. Okay. Who knows what this is? It's a weight. It's a Bowflex weight system. I won't do an advertisement, but it just helps you. You can go from five pounds to 50. Really nice, really easy. So, while I catch my breath. So when we, we go through life, we pick up things that weigh us down. You start light, and the longer you go, the more you keep picking up. Whew, am I ready for this? Okay. So this is five pounds right here. All right? Walk around five pounds. Honestly, don't even know the difference, other than I'm holding it. Doesn't feel that, like that big of a deal. But, so I'm walking through life, feeling fine, feeling good. I'm going to put this down now. So what happens when we start adding stuff? So I got, let's see here, I got, I got work, I got work stress, so I'm gonna pick that up. It's a little bit heavier. You know, it's seven and a half pounds, it's a little bit heavier. So I got work stress, that's not a big deal, that's not a big deal. All right, let's put it back down. Now I got, I got some kids. <laughs> Anybody feel me there? Anybody? All right, let's add two notches for that one. Let's. Let's bring, let's bring it up to 15. Okay. Gotta love your kids. Gotta love your kids. But sometimes it's a struggle. You got work. You got kids. You got a family to take care of. That's 15 pounds. That's getting up there. That's fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So I can walk with that. That's okay. It, you know, I'm starting to feel it. I got a mortgage. Let's, let's go up another 20 notches for that. That hard on money is going to, a lot of it's going somewhere. So I got a mortgage for the family because we don't want to be homeless. God bless us with the house. It's getting heavier. All right, I'm fine. I'm walking. Don't ask me to run. Don't ask me to run. So I got a mortgage. What else we got? So I got distractions. I got some entertainment that keeps me on the couch at night sometimes. Woo, that makes it a little harder. How can something so enjoyable be so heavy? Woo, okay. Oh. All right, so what's some other things? What's some other things? Just shout them out. Car payment. Okay, we'll go up a notch for car payment. We got, we got the 30 pounds. Internet bill, okay, 35. 
Gas money, ooh, right now, yeah. What else we got? Rent, diesel, diesel, holy cow. Taxes, okay. Okay, so we got all that stuff on here. Oh, vacation, oh dude, this is heavy now. Okay, like I said, I'm walking. I'm keeping it going. I'm not going anywhere fast though. I'm not going anywhere fast though. I got a lot of stuff weighing me down. I got a lot of stuff on my plate. It's not sinful. It's not sinful. It's not, it's not a problem with God. I've got all this stuff though. I gotta do something with it. Tucker, you wanna give me a hand? Here we go. So, so I, I talked to Tucker before this. Tucker, I want you to start on this side of the room. He's gonna be our runner. Oh. Thank God for Tucker. Thank God for Tucker. Tucker, whenever you're ready, I want you to, to go from that side of the room to that side of the room as fast as you can. Can we count? To, okay, everybody ready? Three, two, one, go. All right, all right, stop before you hit the wall, okay. I'm gonna say, that was pretty fast. That was pretty fast. I could try to race him, but I don't feel like it. Um, <laughs> but that was pretty fast, that was pretty fast. Okay, Tucker, I'm gonna help you out, I'll, I'll carry the weight. Let's go, you wanna start from this side? Let's go this side. Okay, let's start with that side, all right. See, I'm carrying some of the load. All right, I'm gonna put it on the ground because that's just not safe, you know. All right, so Tucker, without hurting your back, why don't you pick up that weight and I'm gonna count you down again. I want you to run as fast as you can to the other side of the room. Ready? Three, two, one, go! <laughs> All right. I thought we talked about going slower. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. No, he, so Tucker, let me ask you something. So you, you ran that, and it was actually still pretty fast even with the weight, good kudos. Um, was it, how hard, much harder was it though? About 50 pounds harder. <laughs> Thanks Tucker. Uh, give him a hand, give him a hand. So, I'm gonna guess, I didn't have a stopwatch, didn't think that far ahead. I'm gonna guess the second time he ran, it was slower. And he said of his own accord, it was harder. It was heavier. It weighed him down, right? <sighs> Goodness gracious. I should have stuck with a lighter weight, my word. <laughs> I... D -d 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 all right, all right. So really, I should just suck it up and get over it. <laughs> but here, here we go. So, so what are some weights that we can shed during this race? What are some weights? The scripture says, throw off every weight. In the NIV, it says, throw off anything that hinders. I'm not gonna tell you to get rid of your house, okay? I'm not gonna tell you to do that. Don't get rid of your car. I'm not gonna tell you to do that. 
But if it hinders your walk with God, maybe you should think about it. All right, let's look at it. So what anything that hinders a weight is not necessarily sin. It's the thing that hinders us while we are running the race. In our everyday lives, we face distractions. We have everything at our fingertips to distract us and pull us off the path. Everything at our fingertips. It's like, he's going to preach against iPhones. No, it's a tool. It's a good tool. But, but how much time are you spending on it? What are you doing on it? We have phones, we have video games, we have games on our phones, we have TV shows, we have, we have movies. I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody else. We have all the things that we think we need in our own homes. So we, we have sport events, we have concerts, we have extracurricular activities, we have movie theaters, we have uh, hobbies, we have hunting, we have all these things. We have all these things. We're blessed, we're blessed. But at what point does a blessing become a curse? At what point... Does all the good that we have in our lives become something that weighs us down and keeps us from running the way that we need to run? Those people that we still connect to from our past, that, that, those friends that you know, that, those friends, that, those people that you, you still connect with that have no respect for you or what you believe in now or the way that you live. What about the busyness of life that just takes us from point A to point B, that's, that strips us of our time and our focus away from the race? What about some of those things that, that are just weighing us down from winning the race in a good time? We are instructed in Scripture to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. And then we are instructed to run. We run in the race, and there are things that want to take us off course and want to take us out of the race. But can I encourage some of us today? Can I tell you, there is a prize that is waiting for us on the other side of the finish line. There is a home. There is a crown of righteousness. There is a great God that loves us and is waiting for us. If we can just keep running, and if we can just endure until the end, you may be struggling to stay in this race. You may be struggling with the, the weight, uh, the guilt with, of past mistakes, weights. You know, maybe even struggling with sin. Maybe you're, maybe you're dealing with addictions. Maybe you're dealing with things that you just haven't gotten over yet. You may be dealing with consequences of your previous life. Maybe you have been living for God for a long time, but you've just lost your direction and your purpose. You've lost that thing that you had 20 years ago whenever you first came to God. Maybe you're just struggling right now with what you want to do and the things that you know God wants you to do. I don't know what your situation is in the room today, in this house today, but the message that God wants to speak to someone here is to keep going, keep running, keep persevering, keep running the race with the endurance you started with. Don't slow down, don't stop, but keep running to win the race. Keep running to win the race. What is our motivation? Keeping our eye on the prize. The last thing to remember while we run this race, keep our eyes on the prize. 
I used to play little league ball whenever I was practicing. My grandma would open my, my mama, I call her my mama. That's grandma to you guys up north, or whatever you call your grandmother. But I would call it, my, my mama would, would take me out back whenever I would go to her house, and she, she would always tell me when I was an uncoordinated three-year-old, and I'm still uncoordinated, but she would always tell me, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. And then she would throw it to me, and then I would try to hit it. And then it would connect, and sometimes it would go. I got to keep my eye on the prize. Sorry, that went off topic a little bit, but what is the prize? What is our motivation for learning to walk and run and endure this race? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, it says, for our conversation is in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. What he refers to is heaven. We all want to go to heaven, amen? We all want to go to heaven. He talks about a new body like his glorious body. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the verse we read earlier, and to, put, to win an incorruptible crown, eternal life, to win an incorruptible crown, righteousness. God help us. God help us today. Don't let us lose sight of what we're fighting for. And I'm getting ready to come to a close. Getting ready to come to a close. Our endurance, our struggle is not in vain, but we are looking ahead to what he has prepared for us. Help us to keep our eye on the prize. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Jesus. So seek ye first. Seeking first place, seeking to win. I feel like I, I've kind of showed you the word of God says that life is like a race. Living for God is a race. And it's not, it's not one where you, 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 the first person to get there wins the trophy. It's not how it works. It's about time. It's about quality time. It's about, did you get back up? Did you, did you start over? The word of God tells us many times through the words of Paul about this race that we are in. We are told how we should run and what we should, that we should endure to obtain the prize. The question still remains, how do we run to win the race. In Matthew chapter 6, 33, it, it says this in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So all the, the, the weights that we're carrying by ourselves. So Jesus tells the disciples to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Before he gets to this point, he has been telling them not to store up treasure on earth. He's been telling them not to worry about what they will eat or what they will drink, what they will wear, where they will live. He's telling them, don't worry about your base needs. Don't worry about where food's coming from tomorrow. Don't worry about where money for that bill is coming from tomorrow. Don't worry about the, the things that are weighing on your mind. Don't worry about that. Don't seek after that. Don't seek that before. Don't seek that first. But instead, 
Who, those are legitimate worries. Those are legitimate worries. Oh, this, this weight right here, you got a mortgage, you got a car payment, insurance, gas. You have all these things that are legitimate, that are weighing on your mind. But why is he telling us not to worry? He was trying to communicate to the disciples that you can worry about all this stuff in life. You can worry about all these things trying to build your own kingdom. A kingdom's heavy. A kingdom's heavy. Your own kingdom is heavy. Your own weights, your own struggles, they are heavy. We want to build our own kingdom. We want to build our, our own treasure up, that bank account. We want to go, we, we want things. We have desires. We're trying to win in life. We're trying to win in life, but by our own power. We're trying to win the race by the sweat of our own brow, by the strength of our legs, by the, the strength of our own will. We are trying to win the race ourselves. But he said this, if you will just seek my kingdom, if you will seek my righteousness, then all of these things will be added unto you. He will show you the right path to finish the race. And the, it's not a shortcut. Living with God is not a shortcut to heaven. It's not. Jesus says in the ne very next chapter in verse 13 through 14, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many things there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life if you be there be that find it. I wasn't trying to end it on a heavy note, but I guess that's just where God wants to take it. How do we obtain the prize? How do we go about running and seeking to win? The answer is simple. And if you want to stand to your feet, if you want to, we're going to have a, get ready for, to respond to what God is trying to talk to us about. The answer is simple on how to run the race. By putting him first by making him first in our lives. First above everything else, his kingdom, his wants, his needs, his holiness, his righteousness over my wants and my needs and my righteousness, which is as filthy rags. That's why in John 3.30 it says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. I gotta start shedding some weight. It's not bad, it's not all bad, but I gotta start shedding some weight. I gotta get rid of the sin that I'm struggling with. I gotta get rid of the things that are weighing me down. I must exalt him in my life. He must be first and I must be second. And I know that doesn't make sense in our natural world. It's against our instinct, it's against our intellect, it's, a, it's counterintuitive and counter to our culture. But can I tell you this today, church, if we intend on running the race that is set before us, if we intend on winning the eternal crown, if we intend to win the prize for which we race, we need to get this into our hearts and our minds. And that is in order to come in first, he needs to be my first.
In order to come in first, he needs to be my first. It's hard for us to think about winning a race by putting someone else first. It doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense, but it's easy to understand. As Christians, we often think the prize is heaven with all of its treasures and beauty, and, and that, that's, we're looking forward to that. I'm excited for the day I get to walk down the streets of gold, and I get to walk through the gates of pearl, and I get to, that's not the prize. It's not the prize. The prize is him. The prize is him. Our only motivation to live this way cannot just be heaven. The pr true prize is not just what was listed. It's not eternal life, it's not the streets of gold, it's all a byproduct. Our motivation, our prize is Jesus. That's why we live the way that we live. That's why we do the things we do because he is the prize. He is what is at the finish line. It's him. It's those things that we told him, that we asked him for, that he's finally gonna be able to look us in the face and say, I saw you when you were there. I saw you when you were struggling. I saw you in your sin. I saw you with the weight that was weighing you down. He is our prize. We get him. If our desire is only on the things and not on the one who gives them, we will never last in this race. The motivation and the mindset to get us through the race should be, I want to please him. I want to know him and I want to run to win him. In John chapter 14, and this is it. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. That's what we're waiting for. That's what all the struggle is for. That's what all the pain is for. That's what all the things that you're going through right now is for. It hurts, it's a struggle. I don't. How can you live this way? How can you live for God this way? Because I know what's on the other side. Can we just lift up? Can you just start to respond?